This is a Together Church podcast, a place to explore meaning, friendship, and faith in Jesus. We'd love you to connect with our community. Find out more at togetherchurch.com.au. Walking and watching the waves, I spent a lot of time on sand dunes just watching the beach and thinking and listening to God. I think I I did about 80 hours walking on the beach, which is actually quite a lot of time. Um, But it was beautiful and very refreshing. Um, And look, as I mentioned before, before I went away, I felt really tired and drained, both Carly and I did. But I also felt quite distant from God. And I knew that, but it was really good to have a sense of where I was at and to reflect on that. And it's not like I'd walked away from Jesus but I, uh, I was reading a book and they talked about long-distance relationships and I thought, yeah, I feel like I've got a long-distance relationship with Jesus <laughs> and that's not where I want things to be. You know, I suppose I felt like um, I'd been so hurried and done so much on the outside that, uh, yeah, I, I'd lost that intimacy and that personal connection which I had before. And the time away was a beautiful time to recapture that, which was great. I remember reading a story in one of the books, um, and I don't know if this is true, it might be a fable, but there was a, a colonialist, and they went to South America and hired a bunch of uh, tribesmen and went for a long journey and walked for day after day after day, going into the Amazon jungle or somewhere like that. And then, I don't know, on about the fourth or fifth or sixth day, in the afternoon, all of a sudden, all the tribesmen just sat down and they refused to move. And the colonialist is kind of cajoling them and arguing with them and saying, why won't you move? <laughs> Get up. Uh, and their response is beautiful. They said, Look, we have journeyed a long way and we need to stop so that our souls can catch up. And I actually really loved that. And it really struck me, actually. And I, I really feel that describes what our sabbatical was about. It was a time for us to pause and give us space for our souls to catch up to our bodies. So I don't know if that can connect, but it, it certainly describes the experience of allowing ourselves to, to stop and to pray and to grieve and to rest and slow down and, and allow ourselves to explore and journey back to the inner life so that our inner life kind of led our outer life rather than the other way around. Does that make sense? It's really hard to describe an inner journey, actually, but that's kind of what we did. Our souls caught up. Uh, And throughout this time, I I obviously got to read a lot of scripture and journal lots. And there was one parable in particular for the first first retreat, I did too, uh, and it stood out. And it's from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And I really loved it. And I found great comfort in this story of Jesus. Uh, And I feel like it addresses the hardship or challenges that we all experience in life from time to time but it also points us towards, towards joy, back to that word that we sang about, and hope, even in the hardest times. And so I'd like to share what I have seen in this passage uh, as, as my reflection today. So it's from Matthew 13, uh, 36 to 43. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But... While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. 
The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed into your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them up in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. It's a really small parable, but there's heaps in it. Uh, And the beautiful thing about this parable is we don't actually have to work out completely what it means because unlike most of Jesus' stories, he explains it. Uh, In in Matthew chapter 13, verse 36, he actually gives an interpretation because his disciples say, I don't get it. And so he said, well, let me explain it. So I won't read that out, but this is what he describes. Uh, The farmer who sows the good seed is the son of man, so Jesus or God. The enemy who sowed, you don't agree with me? The enemy who sowed bad seed is the devil, also known as uh, Satan or the deceiver. The field is the world we live in. Wheat represents the people of God, so those whose names are written in the book of life. Weeds are people who follow the evil one and also everything that causes sin. Jesus talks about both. And the harvest is the end of the age when Jesus returns and all are judged and all will be restored. And the harvesters are the angels who separate wheat from weeds for eternity. So that's that's what Jesus says. So with that in mind, let's read again and and I'll share what I see in this passage. Uh, So Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed wheat among weeds and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. So to begin, the farmer sows good seed into the world. Pretty simple. And and this fits the gospel. You know, right at the beginning in the book of Genesis, God created the world. And what did he say about the world? It is good. Yeah. So he sowed good seed into our world uh, and we were meant to enjoy God and the beauty of God and his peace and partnership in life and we were meant to do that for eternity Uh, but it's not how things turned out you see um, when everyone was asleep the enemy came and sowed bad seeds so there was wheat and weeds all mixed up so rather than the world being full of just light we have a world of light and darkness we have both now don't we Uh, We have joy and sadness, uh, we have pain uh, and hope all mixed up. And so this is the world we live in, a a world where there are weeds. uh, And in our spirit, we know that this is not how things were meant to be, but it is our experience day by day. Uh, So I looked up uh, wheat and weeds in Google Images, as you do, and this is one of the pictures I found, which I quite like. uh, And I think it stood out to me because I spent a few days this week going through our property with a shovel, pulling out thistles. You know those awful thistles with the little purple flower? And they just seem to keep sprouting. Uh, and you need to hit them before, before the flowers 
occur, otherwise next year you've got twice as many thistles. So I went through and, and I spent a bit of time pulling them out. And it was an effort, but it was doable. So I suppose life can throw these kind of thistles our way and mix them up in the middle of the wheat. Uh, but while it's an effort to do this, this kind of, this kind of image I can live with. But uh, I found another image on Google and I'm like, yeah, I think this is more the type of image that Jesus is talking about when he talks about the enemy sowing weeds among the wheat. And this freaks me out as an OCD person because uh, this is really hard to um, unweed this field. And, uh, and this is, I think, what he talks about. If, if we are to go into this field and try to pull out the weeds, well, what are you going to do? You're going to damage the wheat. You, you can't clear the weeds without affecting the crop. And I think it describes the reality of a messy and broken and mixed up life where joy and suffering are all mixed together and really the only choice we have is to let it be and to trust that God is going to do something miraculous in that space. Do you follow? Yeah. And, and so just like the servants in the field, I think we ask the very same question that these harvest workers, these servants, which, are, which is us, uh, the very same questions that we ask, they said, where did all the weeds come from? Where did those thistles come from? I pulled them out last year. <laughs> where did the weeds come from? Uh, you know, why did I lose my job? Why did my friend get cancer? Why can't I shake this debt? Uh, why can't I mend this relationship? You know, why is my marriage so broken? Why did my business fail? Why did my cat get run over? Why is life so broken? Do you know what I mean? It's the same question. And we ask bigger questions too outside of ourselves. We say, why is the world so broken? We ask, why is a virus still ravaging the globe and affecting so many people's lives? Or why are children starving in Africa or Syria or other places around the world? Um, why are our clothes still made by factory slaves, even though they're so cheap? Why can't we fix climate change? Why is there so much suffering and brokenness in our world? Uh, where did all the weeds come from? So I don't know about you, but I ask these questions quite regularly. Uh, and I don't think I'm the only one, you know, especially when life is hard or sad or disappointing or difficult, uh, where there's pain or loss, I ask the question, I think we ask the question, where did the weeds come from? Let's just pause for a moment and reflect on that. And then I'm going to continue to what Jesus says about that. So in answer to this question, and Jesus never minces, he never wastes words, <laughs> he's always remarkably less wordy than your pastor, um, he just says, an enemy did this. Very simple. And what strikes me is how unusual this idea is actually. Uh, I was journaling and I just thought, it's actually a really weird idea that in the middle of the night, the devil comes, the enemy comes, and actually plants or sows weed seeds. <laughs> Because, like, no one plants weeds, do they? <laughs> like, thistles just appear. And it's, it's almost like bad stuff just happens. But actually, according to Jesus, um, 
the pain and suffering in our world is actually not an accident. It's kind of come about for a reason. And, and the scriptures would say that there's a number of reasons, but the world is ruled and influenced by the evil one, the enemy, and the brokenness we see around us is actually shaped by the devil. Now, when I, when I say that, it might be directly through the forces of evil, the demonic forces, or uh, most often indirectly because of human brokenness, our sin, our selfishness, um, our shame, and the consequences of how we live that out in each other's lives day by day. And so even though God created a perfect world, Adam and Eve gave authority to the evil one. They wanted to be like God instead of be with God. We know this. And it led to what we understand as the corruption of the world or the word sin. It started in the Garden of Eden and it continues today. And uh, sin corrupts everything. And whether it's a small thing like fighting over the dishes or a big thing like corporate greed or individual greed destroying the planet, it's all the same root. It's, it's weeds that have been sowed in the field, mixed up amongst the wheat. That's the biblical answer. And I, and I love what the Apostle Paul says, actually, in, in a letter to the house churches in Rome. He says this, We know that the whole of creation has been groaning, groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And, and so what he's saying is it's not just individuals who struggle with this question. The entire universe, all of creation is groaning. Uh, our planet is like a woman in labor who is longing for something more, something better, for a world without weeds. And in that longing and that aching, we know that there is something more and that we are aching for the time to come where things will be perfect. And I think it's a beautiful analogy. Uh, but in the meantime, this is what we have, okay? We have, um, we have a world that looks like this. And uh, as apprentices of Jesus, as people who are Christians, who follow Jesus, are we exempt from this? You know, if there's, if there's a catastrophe, are Christians exempt? If there's sickness, are we exempt? You know, we, we get sick. We lose our eyesight. We get gray hair. We have accidents. We have losses and conflicts and disappointment like everyone else. I mean, one of the things I loved about the book that Philip Yancey says is he talks about healing and miraculous healing, which I'm a, I have been healed supernaturally through prayer in a remarkable way, and it's amazing. But he said, at the end of the day, everyone dies, even those who got healed. <laughs> like, no matter what happens, we will all experience this at some stage in our life. Does that make sense? And, and that's quite profound because um, not only does Jesus... Uh, prepare us for this he actually promises that in this world we will have trouble as apprentices of, of Jesus we will experience trouble and we'll e experience even more trouble than most people because we are choosing to follow a holy God and we are doing frontline battles with the enemy of this age and so we experience conflict and challenge that is even greater than in the world and it's not a message we talk about very much but I think it's really important that we acknowledge that so I suppose the reality of the world is that there are weeds and wheat mixed together and, and nothing, no political party or social theory or um, new technology or education revolution, none of that is going to fix this problem because it originated in the Garden of Eden. But I love where Jesus takes this parable and he offers us hope and truth all mixed together. So let's read the rest, okay? Uh, 
And actually, before we do, I, I want to go back. I missed a bit. Um, as humans, we ask that question, but then we try to solve it ourselves. And this is what we see in the servants. The servants ask Jesus, do you want who? Us. Do you want us to fix the problem? <laughs> do you want us to pull out the weeds? And Jesus says no. Well, the, the, the farmer says no, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you'll uproot the wheat. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And what I love about, I love this answer, and the more I've reflected on it, the more I love it, that, um, that there's something right and beautiful about letting weeds and wheat grow together. And it's not just because they have to. Uh, now, firstly, I would say the parable is not suggesting that we shouldn't fight for justice or bring about change in the world. But what it is saying is nothing we can do in our strength will create a world without weeds. Uh, and any attempt to create a perfect family, uh, a perfect system, you know, a, a perfect utopian society with our own systems and our own philosophies, it's all doomed to fail because the enemy comes in and keeps <laughs> sowing weeds and it's not possible to remove them. Uh, but Jesus says, let both grow together until the harvest. And it is almost as if Jesus sees value in weeds growing among the wheat. Like it's actually his plan, like he knew the enemy all along would come and do this. And he's going to do something in that space. He will um, do something deeper as the all-knowing farmer. Here's a quote I found uh, from George Wald. And he said, When you have no experience of pain, it is rather hard to experience joy. And this touches on the first part of what I think Jesus is saying, that there is something beautiful about the reality that pain animates joy. Has anyone experienced that? It's interesting. You know, I think about hiking up a mountain and like the difficulty of getting burning legs and you're sweating and you get, you know, last time we went, I got, what I get? Uh, leeches. You know, all that, the pain of kind of climbing up that mountain actually leads to how beautiful it is when you get to the top. But if I get on a cable car and shoot up to the top of a mountain, it just never feels the same to me because there's something about the journey of getting there that actually animates the joy. Has anyone experienced that? And, and I think in the spiritual life, it's exactly the same. There's a connection between overcoming hardship and suffering and finding true everlasting joy in Jesus Christ. It's like suffering is connected with Christ. And the more we suffer, the more we can connect with who Jesus is. In fact, Paul makes that connection. I want to be with Christ and know the power of his resurrection. So I want to know all the good stuff. And I also want to know the reality of his suffering because by suffering, I become like Jesus. There is this interconnection that we don't like, but it's the spiritual reality of life. That wheat and weeds work together when we are weak and broken and lean on Jesus, we become strong. There is actually joy in suffering. Uh, and, and last quote is from Philip Yancey, and he says that suffering, suffering produces something. So it's not meaningless. Suffering produces something. It has value. It changes us. And I think that is absolutely true. There is something important about the weeds in the wheat. 
And Yancey in his book, Where Is God When It Hurts, he gives story after story after story of God using pain and disappointment and hurt and sadness to grow our love for him. And in doing that, we learn to love others and God more than we could possibly have done so without having experienced trouble. And it's not that God causes pain and it's not that God causes suffering because what does Jesus say? Who is the one that causes bad seed to grow? It's not God. It's the enemy, yeah? But God does allow weed and wheat to grow together so that our reliance on him grows. And this has been my experience, that beauty and pain, that joy and hardship, uh, that sickness and health, that love and loss are all intertwined and mixed up together in this world, the world we live in. And that Jesus does allow us to experience sadness and suffering and he allows it so that we can draw near to him and he can change us and transform us so that we look more like him. And that might suck from our perspective. (laughs) No one would say, I want to suffer so I can be more Christ-like. Well, Paul did actually, but you know, he was a particular type of guy. <laughs> but it's true. And, and Jesus' perspective is not our perspective. Yeah, you can't learn any other way. I've read the same passages again and again for years. But now because I'm feeling sad and I'm struggling, I see it differently. You only learn by experience. You're right. Um, and our God in the West is happiness. This is what we try to do. We, we live for happiness, but I don't think that Jesus' perspective is that our life is to be happy. Um, we do everything to avoid pain. You know, we have painkillers. I think that's amazing. We're the only generation that kind of basically pop pills as soon as we feel any pain. Uh, we don't know how to deal with sadness or suffering, and we definitely don't know how to deal with death. Like our, our society has given up this idea that suffering produces something, but... In the kingdom of God, um, God uses everything to grow us. And his perspective is he is preparing preparing us for eternity. And in eternity, who we become is way more important than what happens to us in this life. Does that make sense? And I believe that God is quite willing to allow us to suffer for a time if it means that we grow in patience and kindness and love and hope and perseverance that he is shaping our soul for the age to come. And that's beautiful. So as hard as it may be, I believe that weeds produce something in us. They have value if we allow God to do work in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit, to prepare us for the age to come. Okay, so to finish, this is how the parable ends. Uh, And it points not just to the pain, because that's not the purpose. It points beyond the field. It points to life beyond our life. Uh, It points to eternity and to true hope that we have in eternal life. And I'm convinced that we need to re-grasp the beauty of eternity. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. In the age to come, we read in the book of Revelation, the very last book, which describes this, 
Uh, there are passages in Revelation which I could pull out which are basically this passage, uh, just written in a different way. There will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. There will be no more sorrow, there will be no more pain, there will be no more grief, there will be no more death. Our resurrected bodies will be vibrant and we will be forever healthy. The beauty and the wonder of creation will be totally restored. Relationships will mend and heal. Everything that has been lost or taken from us will be made new. And Jesus promises that the wheat will be separated from the weeds and that all that remains is good. And I'm encouraged by that promise that eternity will actually fix it up. (laughs) The wheat and the weeds will be fixed up. There will be a new heaven and a new earth and our names are written in the book of life. That is our promise. Uh, That is the promise of Jesus. And so while my salvation is not based on my own goodness, it's based on Jesus dying and rising again, uh, there is an idea within this that I've been playing with and I really love it and uh, and I believe that there's biblical precedence for it, that the beautiful things that are in my life, the, the, the things that have been sacrificial, you know, the, the quiet prayers, the, the dreams or disappointments that I've given up for God, the, the small words, the small acts of kindness, the little choices I make to forgive instead of hate um, or to be generous instead of to withhold, that all those beautiful acts which are wheat, Within, a we- within the field that, that all of this one day will last. That all of that, the little small stuff that seems to be choked out by all the bad stuff, it'll one day be gathered up by the angels in the age to come and it will last forever and ever and ever. And I think that's a beautiful idea. That the things that seem so insignificant like a mustard seed in this age, uh, even if our life doesn't end up the way we hope it to end up, all those small things will shine forever and everything else gets wiped away. And I believe that's the promise that we see here. Um, That not only does God shape our character, but he brings forward the things of this world into eternity. And I find encouragement in that. So that is our cause for hope. Back to that word that we prayed and sang about, that that hope... uh, is that God is with us in the middle of suffering and that there is a purpose to wheat and weeds being mixed together. Uh, We have hope that God will transform us through suffering and we have hope that God will take everything that is broken and remove it and all that will remain is that which is good. And I want to finish just with an excerpt of my diary. Um, And it basically says what I've said already, but... I, uh, I wrote this and, I don't know, I wrote this to God rather than to you and I think it's worth finishing with. Uh, so I am drawn to this parable because it describes the struggles I see in my own life. Uh, we're in Perth, so you know when I wrote it. Uh, it's a beautiful city. We're enjoying food and wine and water slides as a family and it has been joyful and life-enriching to be together on holidays. And yet inside our hearts is a deep sadness inner loss and confusion not because um, only because of the loss of our friend Mick but also the loss of our dreams and hopes and the wrestle of letting go of what once was and I find myself asking the same question as the servants in this story where did the weeds come from didn't we sow good seed in our church 
in our business, in, in Livingston Street, in my family? Why then? <laughs> Sorry. Why then are weeds springing up everywhere, choking out the wheat? Yet it seems this is the way of the kingdom of God. The beauty, pain, the joy and hardship, the health and sickness, the birth and death, light and love, love and loss are all intertwined and mixed together, the good and bad shaping our everyday experiences. If I had my way, the darkness would be removed right now and we would experience the fullness of the kingdom of God in this age, but it's not to be. The wheat only grows strong in the presence of weeds. Maybe even because of the weeds. And all we are asked to do is to trust the farmer who sows good seed. Knowing that he will raise us to maturity and gather us up in the age to come. But in this world, in this world there is wheat and there are weeds. There are hard times, disappointments, losses and sadness. And these can feel greater than our wins. But God is with us through it all. He knows our pain and our suffering and comforts us. He even uses these things to love us more deeply. And every kind word loving action or faithful sacrifice directed to God will be rewarded. Things that are good and kind and honest and pure in this world will be set apart and shine for eternity. And the rest, the darkness in our world and ourselves, will be destroyed. One day the weeds will be gone and all that we will have left is wheat forever and ever and ever. And I find hope in this. So as we head to communion, let us love and worship a God of grace and goodness who knows what he is doing and who will guide us and grow us in this world in his way.